Well, we are back with episode 25 of the Racing News Podcast. Good to be back again for another fortnight. Again, plenty happening in the last couple of weeks. It's so good that we've got so much to talk about after the start of this year. So we've had action aplenty over the last couple of weeks, which we'll get into. But welcome back, Tom. How have you been? Pretty good, mate. The running's been okay, but I'm I'm in a bit of a somber mood today, unfortunately. I'm I'm a bit flat, a bit unhappy. What's been going on? Well... As some people know, some people don't. I'm, I'm a, my first love, I mean, I love running. Don't get me wrong. I love running. But my first passion is football. And when I say football, I mean soccer. So I'm from the north of England in a you know, city called Sheffield. And so my team, Sheffield United, we're, we've been back in the Premier League uh, last year. So my life ro- revolves around football. Just I live it, breathe it all the time. I talk to my dad about it every single day. And last year we had, like, I've supported this club for 40 years. And one of those clubs, it just gets absolutely pounded in every single game. We never do well. But we found ourselves into the Premier League. And last year had an absolutely stellar season. Everyone tipped us to come last, and we ended up finishing ninth. We got as high as sixth at one stage. And it was just – it was like we were just on like a 10-month holiday. Just my, my – the fans of my club, just wonderful. You just couldn't believe what you were witnessing. You know, the, the stadiums were packed, and you thought, this is a good life. And uh, the new season's just kicked off, and we've lost the first three games in a row, and we're now sitting dead last in 20th. So I stayed up – I stayed up – did my – did my week last week, a week of running, uh, planned myself. I thought, right, I'm going to stay up and watch the game. Watch the game. We conceded an 88th-minute winner to the opposition. Um, so two minutes from the end of the game, we went down 1-0. That's, we haven't scored a goal in three games. It's just looking at an absolutely abysmal season. But I, just, I mean, when I was thinking, this is uh, the reason I'm talking about this, The reason I was watching it last night, and clubs like ours, not these big clubs like Liverpool, Man City, and all those big ones like that, like we need our fans, and there's no fans in the stadium apps at all. You know, you talk about fans being the twelfth person. For us, it's like having a fifteenth player. And when we come up against clubs who are better than us, which most of them are, we need fans there because without them, it's it's basically like watching a trial game. It really is. And so, the sooner fans can get back in the stadium, the better for me. And this then got me thinking today, as because I, I went for my run this morning, nine and nine and a half k, just around Tambourine, ran with the bush turkey. For about 500 metres, which is great. This bush turkey just jumped on the track in front of me, took the lead <laughs> position. It was like I was in like a tempo run. I was just behind this bush turkey running through Witches Falls, and the bush turkey wouldn't jump off the track. Anyway, so I did my hour, hour run this morning with the bush turkey, and all I could think about was football. I was going over the game, but then I started thinking about the effect that crowds and support has on athletes and how much it affects my team. Anyway. And that got me thinking then about running and about the big races that we've missed this year. And everyone's doing time trials, aren't they, all over the place. And we were involved in one, well, you were involved in one yesterday, um, which we'll get to in a minute. But particularly for road running, like maybe ultras, we don't miss the crowds too much because it's not there. But road running, to not have those mass participations, to not have those those finish lines where you think of the Gold Coast Marathon, the last 600 metres of the Gold Coast Marathon, there are thousands of people, aren't there? Like it's packed. And whether you're in the 10K or the half marathon or the full marathon, you get such a buzz and such a lift from that crowd and it drives drives you to the finish line. You can be wrecked with a K to go and you're fine. And and I was thinking about the you know the Run GC um, lead-up events that were that have been happening that we've been involved in and the half marathon was yesterday. And it's hard, isn't it? It's hard running a time trial completely yeah, on your absolutely. own. And absolutely it is. The one thing I've noticed, like, you've executed so well in the races that you've done, the five, the 10 and the half yesterday – your execution in a race where there was no one around you, no one racing you, no one supporting you. I mean, your partner was there, Caitlin was there at the finish line, but no one supporting you along the course. 
was absolutely flawless. Like, how do you how do you do it without a crowd? I know I need I get a buzz, I get a massive lift from a crowd. How do you execute so well in in these on these time trial events? What 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 is it? Uh, well, I think one for me, I like all the racing I've kind of ever done has mainly been the trail and ultra stuff. So the couple of road races I've done over the years, which is only literally probably two or three it's been such a novelty for me to actually run and have people around on the race like that's quite foreign to me like i've never raced with crowds around before until really this year and the marathon pacing the marathon last year um but i think for me like i i'm very calculated when it comes to my running i'm definitely a numbers person so all i was focusing on yesterday was i knew exactly what splits i needed to hit i knew i was capable of running them just by running the numbers on how i've been training so i was literally go out there run the pace it's going to hurt but if I held the exact pace, I knew it was going to happen. So I think for me that being that numbers person really pays off because I knew based on everything I'd done in training and the 5 and the 10K that if I put in a really good effort, I was going to be able to hold that pace and it was, should have been bang on and the conditions ended up being quite perfect. So I had that confidence of going – and that's why I suppose when I we talked about this on the podcast a fortnight ago and you said, what time do you think you're going to run? I said – if I have a good day, I think I could run 113 something. So under 114 would be the goal. And when I, we got off that podcast, I then started thinking, why did I say that? Why did I say that I could run? <laughs> I could run that. I should have just said 114 or 115. But that was purely based off what I'd done in the five and the 10 and how training went. I knew I could run that time. There was, there's no reason why I couldn't run it based off those times. So I knew exactly what pace I needed to hold. And it was just a matter of going out and just executing it like i knew exactly what i needed to do and i just went and did it and i don't think i'm generally one of those people that doesn't need that external motivation i'm quite internally motivated to go and do my training i could happily train by myself every day and time trial all the time and that wouldn't phase me in the slightest i don't know how much of a difference having the crowd or people like i don't think having a crowd there yesterday would have made that much difference i felt like i got most of it out of myself but i think not having other people to run with was probably the biggest thing for me yesterday yeah um there was a few times that I kind of was going, oh, it'd be nice to have one or two people just, just tuck in behind here and switch off for a, for a kilometre or two. But then for me, not having anyone to run with let me settle into that pace perfectly from the first kilometre. I think if you go into a race with so many people, a lot of people get caught out with pacing issues, going too fast or too slow and getting caught up in other people's races. Whereas I was just bang on from the first kilometre and just went, okay, I just need to sit here and not do anything different. And that kind of allowed me just to switch off and let the kilometres tick by. And it, yeah. again, I had a good day at the end of the day. Nothing really went wrong. Obviously, those races can still go, go pear shaped and things can happen. So it was one of those days where everything kind of went nicely. But you've called, you've called all three races. This is what I think is amazing. Like you've called it almost to the, well, almost to the second in your, in your five and your 10. And you called it to the minute. You said 73 minutes, 113, and you hit 73 minutes, bang in the middle. Like it's, it, it blows my, blows me away. It blows my head off because I think, I don't know if it's because some runners are emotional runners and some runners are a bit more mathematical, a bit more scientific. And you're obviously, I mean, I don't, I don't know. To, to say you're not an emotional runner, it's probably a bit of, probably not fair. But do you think you're more scientific, more mathematical than other people are? Oh, absolutely. Like I, that first five to 10 Ks yesterday, I could have absolutely gone quicker. Like I was definitely holding myself back purely because I said the numbers mean that I should only be able to hold this pace for a half marathon. So I'm going to hold this pace because even though I'm feeling good, if I go quicker than this pace, I'm going to blow up. And yeah. not having crowds or people to run around and get you through that last few Ks once you've blown up, I knew if I'd gone even a few seconds a K quicker through that first bit that I was going to pay for it. And I knew that yeah. based on the numbers. That wasn't a wait and see on the day. If I'd gone two or three seconds a K quicker, it wouldn't have ended the way it ended. So I knew I had to run that pace based on the numbers. And if I had a good day, that was all I was going to be able to hold with where my fitness is at. So I just stuck to that pace. 
And I said to you after the race, didn't I, like, when did it start to hurt? And did you, you said about 17K, was it? 17, 18K? Yeah. Well, we kind of, the way the course worked is we ran out 5Ks and turned around, back past the start line, did an extra 550 metres and then turned. So that meant we had to do two of that and then out another what, five and a half Ks, turn around. And at the last turnaround, you had five kilometres to go. So I reckon through the middle section, I felt pretty good. Like it was obviously running fairly solid as you do in a half marathon, but it felt kind of like what I wanted it to feel like. And then when I turned around with about 5Ks to go, that's when it started to get tough, that kind of 4 to 5K to go. But the thing that kind of gave me confidence was I remembered exactly how the 10K had felt after I made the halfway turn when I had about 4Ks to go and it felt almost identical. Like obviously I'd run an extra 11 kilometers at that point, but it felt the exact same as far as how hard I was working was almost identical. So as soon as I hit that point, I knew it started hurting, but I said, this is exactly what I did a month ago in the 10K. I've just got to do the same thing. So once I hit that point, even though I started hurting, I knew I was going to do that kind of time, even though it was was getting hard. So that was a good confidence boost. Yeah, amazing. No, an extraordinary uh, race yesterday from you, Kyle. I mean, we haven't we haven't got the official results through from Travis yesterday, uh, but there seemed to be a good number out there again doing the half marathon. Some went early, some went a bit later. Yeah, um, and so I did got, run through to twenty one point two. I'm going to make that clear. I know we spoke about <laughs> it. I went past the finish line to make sure I got to twenty one point two for everyone. So yeah, my official time was from to twenty one point two kilometers on my watch. So hopefully that makes it reasonably legitimate absolutely absolutely well uh yeah definitely go a bit further as, as we tend to do don't we in our races so um we'll mention this at the end but again but trav's got one more race coming up and i think he said it's in november i'll have to check the dates on that just he's going back to a 10k um yep. so those of you who want to head out and do another 10k would be great but yeah plenty to talk about now i've had my football rant and i've got that off my chest and i'm feeling a bit better um we support. I mean, we 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 go back, don't we? Even when we've had a bad race, we go back and we race again. Even when our football team right. plays badly, we go back and we we do it every single week. So whether we're a fan or a runner or a sporty person, it's what we live for. So uh, we've got a lot to talk about. We've got a bit of ultra running. We've got some goat news coming up. We've got uh, some Australian records. We've got some, a little bit from overseas. Uh, some interesting races between some trail runners and some road runners. Um, we'll talk a bit about London Marathon. Uh, we've got a great little chat with Steve uh, Jackson from um, Trail Trips and Events. He's talking to us about Up the Buff and the course changes that have happened with that because that's coming up this weekend. And he's going to talk to us a bit about um, Coastal High 50 as well. But let's let's jump straight into it, Kyle. I'm going to talk a little bit about the uh, the Butter 48 and the Butter 24. Yes. You know, I'd love to talk to Alan and just know what, what is the go with the name? I love I I love things. There like will this. be something like, to it. There's got to be. <laughs> so this, um, for those of you who are, who are road runners or short distance athletes, this sounds like one of the most ridiculous races in the world. But bear with me. There is a little bit to this. So uh, the Butter Forty Eight is a forty eight hour race round and round the uh, Nudgee College Athletics Track up at um, Sandgate. I think Nudgee is. It's a blue track, beautiful blue track. And uh, for forty eight hours, these people went round and round and round and round. There was a 24-hour event, a 12-hour event, a six, I think a marathon and a three. Was there a three? I don't think there was. I think it was a six-hour and a marathon. Anyway, so we got the results here for the 48, the 24, and the 12. So um, how's this, Kyle? This is extraordinary. <laughs> this is It blows, blows my, my mind, mind. Just, just watching this, to, to, for people to be out there for 48 hours. They put up with everything this weekend as well. There was, I think the timing chips got knocked out. There was a storm that came through. They had to postpone it for 40 minutes. But they kept going. Surely, if a storm comes through and your tiny chip is that's, you, don't you go home? 
Oh, not these people. Not, the, not, not these my people. day. I'm going home. So the 48 hour. Here we go. From in third place, um, Stephen Lewis, 415 laps. In second place, Chris Ryan, 554 laps. He beat him by 140-odd laps between second and third. And uh, one of the guys from Run USA, run the runs that run the world, is Greg Ponch. He took the win. 663 laps, Kyle. Now, I did a bit of maths. That's 265 kilometres over the space of 48 hours, round and round a track. I would love to know because we know Strava doesn't pick up, isn't as accurate. Um because I think Strava would give him a little bit more than that because this is the official distance. That would go towards his run down under or his run USA wherever he's going now, wouldn't Absolutely it? Absolutely, it would. Strava would I like wonder that. how many. I wonder how many kilometres he's got. I need to have a look and see because I reckon he would have got – I remember when I did my 50K on the track. Now, again, yeah. wear my watch on my right hand and ran and yes. clockwise the whole way, but I got an extra three kilometres that day yeah. for 50K. And that's, so that's, the tip. that's the tip, isn't it? Wear the watch on the outside yeah, free, wrist. Free fitness. So um, here we go. So that's the 48 hour. Uh, the the 24, the butter 24. Check out these results. Third place. I've only I've only done the total distance for the winner of each one. Um, I'm on holidays at the moment. I don't want to do too much maths. So um, Andrew uh, Gills was third, 281 laps for the men. Lee Pratt second in the males, 342 laps. And Mark uh, Vickers bang on 400 laps. Tell me that wasn't planned. You would you just. That you don't is need to 160 kilometers, yeah. <laughs> which is 900 meters short of 100 miles. So he should have done another two laps. <laughs> oh, see, that's that's where he needs you. That's where he needs you. Got to know the math. You got to know the math. <laughs> but here we go. That's that's the men. So 400 laps. Mark Vickers 160 kilometers. Listen to the females here. Amanda Pavey 377 laps. Catherine Austin 408 laps in Ooh. second place for the female. 408 laps beats the winning male. Tia Jones, 473 laps for 189 kilometres. That is a great run. I also have an update on Greg, by the way. I'm sorry to interject here. On his Strava, he posted a photo that his distance was written on his trophy at 269.9 kilometres. Interesting. So whether the the timing chip has failed and they haven't counted those laps, Strava gave him 273. So less than 4K is over. So that's not too bad. The yeah, watch. I don't know what she was using, but that's yeah, quite accurate. Awesome. So, there you go. So they gave I mean, him two sixty nine, didn't they? Yeah. So that must have been his official distance. I reckon his chips, obviously. Yeah. Not. Oh, that's anyway, right. Because I think I think I saw a Facebook post saying that when their chips went down, they were doing a bit by hand. So yeah, okay. um, yeah, that must so be this. This is just so off the website. Extra three point seven k's on his next map. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> And so the butter 12, here we go. Why do the 48 and the 24 when there's a 12 option? I don't know. But um, interesting, isn't it, though? The, you look at Greg Poncher's distance, that's 663 laps, twice as long as Tia Jones wins the wins the 20, wins the the 24 at 473 laps. So that just gives you an idea of the fatigue that sets in, doesn't it, in that second day. You know, if you just do a, a, a quick doubling of tiers, you get you know into the, into the 900s there. 900 laps, 300 more than Greg, but obviously fatigue is a massive factor, isn't it? When you when you're Absolutely. going without you're going without sleep for that second day. But here we go, the 12 hour. Let's go through the females to begin with. Shelley Coleman, 179 laps. She's taken a lot of podiums this uh, this year. Shelley, she's been coming up very frequently. Sandy Fady, 226 laps, and Kath Judge, well known on the Gold Coast, 272 laps for 109 kilometres. Great, so run. that's impressive. Again, 
wins the overall. Not just the female winner, wins the overall. 272, oh. takes it out. Here we go. The males, hundred. Uh, sorry, Ben Deneen, 254 laps. So that gets him over, doesn't it? Because 250 is the 100 kilometer. So he's gone they over the 100 there. Trev Lampard, 262. That would have been a good battle between mates there. And Craig Bibby, 270, which is 180 kilometers. Uh, so look how, look how close that is in the main, in the men's there. So 16 laps between Ben and Craig uh, for first, second, and third. And then Kath, obviously, 272, just ahead of them. That would have been a great race to watch. It would have been. Um, but, yeah, there was, a, there was a shorter one. There was a six-hour, which had a few more people in it, and there was a marathon as well, which only had a couple in it. But um, but Alan puts these races on um, at uh, this time every single year. Uh, it's been at the Sunshine Coast, I think, a few times this. But, yeah, yep. Nudgy, that would have been that would have been great running around that blue track. But, yeah, they put up with a, an amazing array of uh, weather conditions out there. But as I said, we're, I don't know if you remember, Kyle, earlier in the year I did the one up at the Caboolture, the Heritage Centre. Also, around uh, a 500-metre lap up there, but also a very, very bad night for weather. We had rain and we had, you know, howling winds and things, and I DNF that one. Remember I said I entered the six six hour and I pulled out at right. three hours and I just went, I can't take this. This is doing my head in <laughs> round and round and round a track. So, And that was, at least with that one, we got to go around buildings and things. This one, it's just round an athletics track. Um, but I imagine there's a, a directional change maybe every hour as well. So, yeah, the butter. The Butter 48, I'm, I'm intrigued by it as always, Kyle. I'm, I'm interested in it. I, I'm fascinated by it. And I'm definitely – I had planned to go mm. in this. I think later, you know, when I DNF that one earlier in the year, I said I'm going to go in it and then just decided not to. Um, but uh, I'm going to go in them next year. I, I promised myself that. Yeah. I want to I go in. I want to see. We keep talking you know about I, all these races we're going to do. We need to do it. You know, you know what I think the problem – I mean, this could be the, one of the most stupid comments I've ever made in running, but you know what I think the problem was with the one that I did at Caboolture is I went too slow and I, yeah. I got I got stuck in that – just that slow, boring, plodding pace, whereas I wonder whether, you know, even just for a six-hour one, I wonder whether you should just run hard and go, well, you know what, if I blow up at four hours and I've just got to jog and walk the last two. Well, I think the thing Um, that people don't really think about is that no one trains for that pace, though. They do all their running at a certain easy pace, and then they come to these races and run a minute a kilometre slower. And even though it's slower, your body's just not used to moving in that way, and it's probably more efficient to run quicker and then just walk than it is to try and run slower for a longer period. So, again, I haven't done these type of ones, but for me, I know when I try and run a lot slower than I normally run, it feels terrible. I feel way more efficient running at my normal easy pace versus trying to go slower. So, I've... I know for me, if I did it, I definitely wouldn't be trying to run slow. Not that I'd be trying to run fast, but I'd be running my normal easy pace. And if I need a break, I need a break. Yeah. Um, Versus trying to change how I run. I think there's something in that. I think the boredom sets in. I remember that that was a big thing that I've had at the start of the year, that one I did in February. Just I just got bored because I was just going at this plodding pace. And, you know, who knows, mate? I'll go back next February and I'll I'll run hard and DNF through fatigue probably. So who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? But, yeah. Well done to everyone who went up there. Um, tough conditions, uh, tough race, fascinating race. There's something different about it, and the, the same names seem to be popping up a little bit. Of course, Greg Ponch, he's been selected, hasn't he, for the um, for the global uh, backyard ultra. He's one of the runners there as well. So um, he, that'll be that's I mean, 265k over two days. That's great training for him, <laughs> if you can say that. <laughs> training, um, good training month. Now let's jump over a note from the goat, Kyle. You've you've heard a couple of rumors. Yes around the traps tell fill us in what's happening well i've just inside word is that as we've spoken about in previous episodes that i had initially went back and got my goat loop 2.0 crown mm-hmm. which 
Adzi Gordon then went and smashed a couple of weeks back. Yep. But we've had some inside information that Matt Hauser has been made aware that there is a Goat Loop 2.0. And I don't think he would have known there was anything other than the normal Goat Loop. Yep. Everyone obviously knows his 24-minute Goat Loop time on the normal Goat Loop. He is now aware of the fact that there is a Goat Loop 2.0. So they're getting back into racing, obviously, with all the triathlon stuff. So I don't know whether that will happen anytime soon. But as with the normal Goat Loop, no one knew he was going to do that, and that went out of the blue. So watch watch the Goat Loop 2.0 because there could be a very, very fast time happening. Well, I wonder, I wonder where that's got to him from because do you reckon Courtney Atkinson knows of, a, of the 2.0? I don't think he does, does he? Does he? Uh, no, I reckon he would know about it. I reckon he would know about it. Am I wrong in saying that it was Courtney who who made Matt aware of the Goat Loop 1.0? Was that was that how he became uh, aware of it or not? Potentially, I don't know. I don't actually know how he first heard about. It. Okay, 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 okay. Are you willing to reveal these sources, or are you keeping them close to your chest? And yeah, I'll keep them close to my. I'll, okay. I'll keep them close to my chest. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's great. But uh, <clears throat> another bit of Goat Loop. Another bit of uh, stuff from the uh, the Goat Loop. Note from the Goat here. Vince Stefanak, who of course was there uh, for Goat Mania, I think Vince did. Did he do eleven or ten? Can't remember. He, he was he was up there, wasn't yeah. he? Um, uh, so Vince was uh, was there on Goat Mania Day. He's gone out and become the second person, from my knowledge, to have done the uh, the newly named the Goat Royale, which is the five four three two one Goat Loops. Third in a row, third person. Who's the other? Sean Lyons. He's done it, hasn't he? Oh, is he? He did it. Went out midnight one night and did it. <laughs> you Can you look at? Do you, are you able to look up his time? That would you be able to find it? On Let me have a look. You keep. Do you keep talking? I'm going to keep talking. Find, I'll find so, Sean. So Vince Stefanak in this in this last week or so, he's been out there and done uh, the Goat Royale five four three two one. He did it in eleven hours forty five minutes thirty one seconds. And this is the interesting point that I'm looking at now. Is I'm fascinated to know what time they do their last loop in the one the Goat Loop one so Vince did it in an hour and 23. That was his final goat loop. So I then okay. went back because I'd, I'd, I'd have forgotten that Sean did it or wasn't aware of it. Uh, I went back and then had a look at Ben Deneens, who, of course, was the first person okay. to do this. Ben did it in nine hours and eight minutes. So he was significantly ahead. Was that a lap, ahead. total time? Was that uh, this a lap is, time? This is – what am I looking for? Elapsed? Elapsed time? Elapsed what did time you say he did? Nine hours and eight. And how many seconds? Do you have the seconds? <clears throat> nine oh eight twenty eight. Oh, well, get a hang on, hang on, hang on, before you go into it, I want to, I want to give okay, you Ben's, okay, keep going, keep going, keep Ben's final goat. Ben's final okay. goat was an hour and three, and one, sorry, yeah, one minute and three, one hour and three minutes for his final goat loop. Nine hours, okay. eight minutes, 28 seconds. That was the elapsed time, which I think is all I had to look at. What's, what do we, what do you offer us? This is good. Well, I like this. This is, ex- so <clears throat> Sean Lyons, so Sean did this on the 14th of August. Mm-hmm. At twelve eighteen a.m., just a yep. normal time for a long run, as you do. Yep. His elapsed time. So we're talking over seventy k's in Narang. Yep. So Ben ran nine hours eight minutes and twenty. Twenty eight. Sean ran nine hours eight minutes and nineteen seconds. No. Are you serious? Look at that. So what, what, what's, what's the one we don't want? We don't want moving time. We want elapsed time. That's the key one, isn't it? We want elapsed time. Nine oh eight nineteen. Can you have a look at his final goat loop? What's what's? I just had a look at, and I think it was around forty six minutes. <gasps> it was quick. It was really quick. So he has chased him down 
down the last descent. He did 46.18. So he was if 17 minutes quicker. What was his last? Do you have Ben's descent? Because that would be interesting. No, I, I only looked at that. Oh, I thought that only the, only the two of them. Hold on, let me see if I can find, because I reckon I'll be able to find Ben's. This is this is big. Hold on. Where's Ben's? Maybe if I go this year, this is this could be. This is, this is great. I reckon he's caught him with like 100 metres to go. So Ben did. I've got it here. Here we go. So Ben did his Royale, his final descent. Yep. He did 10 minutes 28. So he's, Sean's. Yep. 10 minutes 28. Sean's last one was 8 minutes 50. So Ben had a minute 30 on him with 1.6K to go and Sean ran him down with, I reckon, he would have passed him with about 50 metres to go. That is <laughs> amazing. I did not know that. Oh, it's good. That's very good. Well, Over can, nine hours. Can, can you just double check with me then that, that Ben Deneen's elapsed time was that 9.08.28? I, I don't want to check. I think we just keep it as... <laughs> We keep it as that. You couldn't write this any better. Sean's one, of those, Sean's one of those quiet, quiet achievers, isn't he, who just performs incredible things. Um, he, oh, hang I on. He, I reckon, oh, no, nah, no, that was not his, that was his moving time. Damn it, Tom, we could have had that. would have been the best race ever. <laughs> oh, right. That was his so moving his, time. That was his moving time. His lap yep. time was 9.47.40. So Nine forty seven. You have to go back out now and take Sean's record. Nine forty seven forty. Well, that was exciting <laughs> while it lasted. <laughs> so here we go. We've got our three official times then on the Goat Royale. Vince Stefanak, eleven hours forty five. Ben Deneen, what did you say? Nine forty seven. Forty seven. And Sean Lyons, nine oh eight. But the, 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 look at Sean. Look at Sean's descent. Like as you said, forty six minutes for the last goat. That's incredible. Impressive. That's amazing. Oh, well, there you go. We've talked it up. It's got exciting, and then we've just yeah found out the real stuff at the end. But that's all right. That's what we're here for. We're here. We're here to talk stuff up when uh, when other things aren't happening. So um, there's there's a note from the goat. But uh, Kyle, let's let's go back away off the off the trails. Let's go to some yeah. Aussie Aussie records. And, and and you said there was a fifteen hundred meter recently up in uh, in Brisbane. Was there? Yeah, a track mate. What, what have you got from track, track running? So I'll go through the track meet up in up in Brisbane because um, we spoke mm. about last podcast how Matt Hauser beat Adam Fogg um, by a couple of seconds in that one. So Adam Fogg's gone back to have another crack after another couple of weeks of training. So I'll go through the results. So I actually watched the finish of this race and Jordan McClellan from obviously Gold Coast Run Co that we all know, he was sitting in third place for this one but got dipped on the line by Jude Thomas and was pushed into fourth place by eight one hundredths of a second. So they ran three fifty one ninety and three fifty one ninety eight for third and fourth. Um, Alexander Stitt ran three forty seven point seven. Then Adam Fogg ran three forty two point nine four. So that is very very fast. That's an that's an absolute smashing as well. Five seconds. Yeah, that's that's a killing. So that's pretty much a four minute mile pace that's yeah very he's that's he would if he'd run another 100 meters he probably would have run a sub four minute mile so that's very impressive which i know his pb is four flat so he probably is in shape to potentially dip under four minutes for the mile so that's very impressive running by adam and then if we move over to europe where some of the australians have been racing and we've been speaking about australian records the last few episodes because they've just been tumbling Mm. we've had another three australian records broken since we last spoke a couple of weeks ago so just hull 
has gone and now broken the 3,000-metre Australian record. She ran 8.36. Now, that means she is the first Australian female to hold the 1,500, 3,000, and 5,000 at the same time ever. Wow. No one's held all three of those at the same time. So yeah. she has broken all three of those in the last couple of months, which is incredible. And then Stewie McSwain has gone and broken the Australian 3,000-metre record, which was Craig Mottram's, which has been around for a long time. He mm. took three seconds off Mottram's record. He ran 7.28, which is just <laughs> incredible, absolutely incredible. That That's sub 2.30 per kilometre for 3Ks. And the other interesting stat that came out of that was he is the second fastest non-African runner over 3,000 metres behind Jakob Ingebrigtsen, who beat him in that race to come second. Yep. So they... So that's incredible by Stewie. So I think he, he's up there on the all-time list as well. And I think he's only 0.4 of a second behind Kipchoge's 3,000-metre personal best. So he's in wow. good company, Stewie. So he's running really well. And then a few days ago, went back again and ran a 1,500-metre at the Doha, which, again, is a Diamond League race, took out the win and absolutely smashed the field. He was off the front from the start with the paces. No one went with him. And he led from start to finish, and he ran 330.51 to break the Australian 1,500-metre record and take that off Ryan Gregson, who was in the race, actually. So yeah. that's the second so, time he has broken an Australian record and the person he's taken it off has been in the race. <laughs> what, that's got to hurt. What, um, what did you say the winning time up in Brisbane was? Was it 342? 342. So 342, 342. And, and then uh, Stewie's run 330. So that's 330. So 12 seconds. It doesn't sound like oh. much, but when you put that on a track... That is a long, long way. That's you know, that's a hundred meters, that's seventy, eighty meters. He would have been yeah. ahead of him. But so that's they're, they're just coming off that incredible. last turn into the final straight, and he's he's already crossing the finish line. And fifteen hundred, it's it is a wonderful race. You start on the the far side. It, you do three hundred meters. It's three and three quarters of a lap, and um, it is a really good, really, really good race. But like any distance, and it, like you were saying with the the half marathon before, it's kind of that three quarter point where the race really gets painful and hard. And this, I guess the section from halfway up to three quarters in any race is where mentally people can fall apart. And so in a, in a 1500 meter race, it's kind of from 700 to 1100. It's that lap, the 700 to 1100, where yeah. it gets really, really tough. And as soon as you hear the bell, you just get this emotional kick of energy that goes through your body and you absolutely leg it for the last 400. But well, this is well, that, this was the interesting thing. I don't know if you've seen this, but the pace of the second pacer actually stayed in until about 1,200. Yeah. But when they took the bell, you could tell from about 1,000 metres through to that 1,100, so just over a lap to go, Stewie was right on his heels and you could tell he kind of wanted to pass and wanted this guy <laughs> to get off the track. The bell went and that runner stayed in lane one all the way around and Stewie actually had to run around him with 400 to go. <laughs> Ooh. So I was like, that really probably shouldn't happen. No. And then the pacer dropped out with 300 to go, so it's not even like he stayed on. But Stewie actually had to run around into the outside of lane one, into lane two, with about 350 to go to pass the pacer. Yeah. Which shouldn't really happen. But. And anyone who knows track racing knows that if you're going to pass, you don't pass on a bend. You, know, you pass on a bend. And that was the thing, like, he had to at that point, because he, he passed him very quickly too. He, put a, he went straight past him, but the pacer just didn't get out of the way, which is obviously a little bit annoying. But he still, he broke the Australian record. But potentially, he's getting very close to breaking 3.30. And I don't know how much time he probably lost on that. But yeah. it was a little bit frustrating, I suppose, to see him have to do that in a race the like bell, that. But anyway. The bell is one of the great sounds in sport. And, and people who race 800 metres and up, obviously, you get to hear the bell, that final lap. It is. It just it, it goes through your bones and through your muscles, and you just get this surge of energy, and you come back to life no matter where you are. And 
it's a great sound. It is one wonderful sound. Maybe we need to bring it into trail running just with the K to go. Just a guy there, with the guy there with no, the that's, that's a good idea. I like that. Well, triathlon's got the cowbell, haven't they? They've got them out there at the finish line. So maybe we need something in triathlon, just a bell to uh, to get us home. But yeah, that's it's amazing, isn't it? All these Australian records are falling when there are no mash, national big meets occurring where the race win doesn't matter. It's all about the time. And you can see then how tactical races are at track level when if it is all about the win, it's a very different race to if it's all about the time. And you'll see next year if the Olympics hopefully happen in Tokyo that, hope you know, you'll see that the races are very, very different. They'll be slower. They'll be tactical. People will be looking at each other and, and trying to figure out when to make the move. Whereas in these races, you just go hard, don't you? And you go for a time. record. People want times. That's exactly right. It's been exciting yeah. to watch. And I don't think we've seen a cluster of Australian records broken like we have in the last few months. Like those no. records have been around for a long time, a lot of them. And for all of them to go really quickly is, is yeah. awesome because really most of them have been broken. Like there's not too many that haven't been over the yeah. last year or so. So it's been it's a good time for Australian running at the moment. Absolutely. So uh, let's come back closer to home. Let's go. Let's go up to Oxenford Lake, where yeah, as, as we speak, I'm in league to Oxenford Lake. That's a good equal, equal, yeah, equal, equal level. Um, Oxenford Lake. There's, I think, I think actually a, a guy you just mentioned holds the Strava segment record. I think Jordan McClellan holds the record at Oxenford Lake for the one lap, three point eight, so. three point eight kilometers. I think he ran it at three minute pace. I think if I remember, I remember seeing it, it was very quick. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, up at Oxenford Lake at the moment, as we speak, Stephen Wright, who is going at the moment, I think, under the hashtag, the ultra granddad, ultra running granddad, something like that. Uh, Stephen Wright is doing his own six-day running event. Now, he was supposed to be, I think, in Adelaide was the, was the plan. They were supposed to be in Adelaide for the um, – for the, is it is the national, national six-day titles down there? But, anyway, it's, it is, yeah. it, there's a six-day event. He did it last year. He went down. Ant Sedman went down as well last year. Um and so Stephen decided, even though the event's not on, I'm just going to do it myself. I'll put it on. Where's a perfect place to do it? I'll go around Oxenford Lake for six days. So yesterday, Sunday morning, 10 a.m., he started with his family. I saw the little video on Facebook. And he's running for the next six days around and around and around Oxenford Lake. Um, and he will then obviously finish on Saturday. But my first question to you, Kyle, is I don't know if we've spoken about this. Why six days? Do you know the backstory to this? I do know the backstory to this, funnily enough. I don't know if yeah. we've spoken about it, but I do know the backstory that because these races have been going on for a long time. Now, I don't know the yeah. specific dates. You might know a little bit of information about when these actually started. But basically, from what I understand, they would only do six-day races because the seventh day was more of a religious day. People would go to yep. church, people would do things. You weren't allowed to race on the seventh day of the week. So you would race for six days and you weren't allowed to go any longer. And that's why we race six days and not seven days. Spot on. That's that's exactly it. These races have been going on for over 100 years. They talk about them at the turn of the 1800s to the 1900s. These races being done in stadiums where people would go and watch. And these these runners, these six-day runners, would be national heroes. And as you rightly said, uh, the religious day was, was a day when no one worked, no shops were open, no one did anything. And so the idea that you could run seven days was just out of the question. So it became six days. Um, and that's the, way, that's the way it is now at the moment. So Stephen is doing his own six-day event he's a twice run down under finisher i think he's done two laps of run down under the i think he's done two was it three three i think, I he's, think three. he's done three, done three. He's definitely done three. yeah yeah he's done forty-four thousand k. yeah we spoke about it the other week oh yeah yeah we did we did that's yep. right sorry steve you're out there at oxenford i'll apologize if i see you this week <laughs> cutting you a lap short uh so three-time finisher of a run down under lap so 
I've had a look at his Strava. I'm so delighted that he's uploading his Strava. Here, here is, when I look this afternoon, we're recording this Monday afternoon at the moment, his distances so far. He did 58K and then he's done 40K and he's done 18K and he's done 30K, which my maths roughly, that's about 146 kilometres um, so far from 10 a.m. yesterday through to, what are we now, 5 o'clock on Monday afternoon, so a day and a half. Um, because I looked last year, is an interesting one. Last year in Adelaide, he did 604 kilometres over six days. So he's obviously going for that 100 kilometres a day mark, and that got him fifth place um, in 2019 in Adelaide. So I wonder if he's going to try and go for 100k a day. How annoying would that little hill be at Oxenford? You know the one? I was just thinking the same thing. Can you imagine at five and a half days into that, that would look like Mount Everest. I cannot. Yeah. That's hard enough just to jog up at the best of times. But not that it's a big hill, but when the rest of it's very flat, that would not but be enjoyable I, to run up that many times. But I do my speed session there on a Thursday. How much of an idiot am I going to look like if I'm doing 1K reps or 2K reps and I keep going past Steve? I'm going to have to take it somewhere else. I can't. I can't do that. I can't do that. You just feel like I'm join him. He might join in with you. He might be feeling good on Thursday morning. He's ready for a bit of speed and get some quick laps in. So um, if you're if you're a north part of the Gold Coast uh, and you want to head up and, and run a couple of laps with, with Steve, he's there all day. Uh, all day and all night. So I'm sure you'll be able to find him if you go out there. I'm not sure to state what you, you'll find him in. Maybe you'll get him when he's in a good mood. Um, if he bites back at you a little bit aggressively, don't take it personally. I think it's, it could just be that he's on to day five or day four, um, and he might be a bit overrunning by then. But, yeah, good luck, Steve. We I, I don't know if he's going for 600 kilometres, but um, I've got no idea. But it will be fascinating to see. But, you know, interestingly, Kyle, I don't know if you know that I'm the local legend of the Oxenford Lake. Strava gave me the local. <laughs> <laughs> I just oh, I it's probably, surely it's gone already well he would have surely, surely he's taken it i can't remember because it's done over 90 days isn't it so it, last week when i was there it gave me the local legend for for the loop i reckon it is absolutely 100 percent gone <laughs> well i think i'm looking right oh, no, right now you are still the local legend am i how many laps it's 33 33 well he's done more than that steve's done more than that though but you know, Maybe sometimes. The most recent one. Oh no! You know what I think it is. You know, sometimes there's two loops at the Oxenford. Whether you know the has the little circular path near where the public toilets are. Sometimes if you go inside that or outside that, it's a different loop. Well, it goes I inside might. on that path, so maybe he's not registering. If he goes outside, it might not. It, but I see. I go outside. I never go inside. I always yeah, me go too. So I don't know. We'll Interesting. see. Interesting. I'll, I'll, I'll graciously give this over to Steve. I think he, he'd be a worthy local legend if he gets this. I don't think I can He'll, hang on to it with my... I think one, he's probably going to get it, <laughs> just quietly. With, with my once-a-week speed session around Oxenford. But there you go. So, yeah, so interesting stuff. Head up there if you can. But um, there's some other big, big things happening around the world, Kyle. Uh, Inga Brixen versus Killian Jornet. I Jornet. I was very excited. Very yeah. excited when I saw this. So... <clears throat> Because Killian initially was, there's always been talk for years since, like, for as long as I can remember about what would Killian do in road races? What times could he run? And it was always what time could he do for a marathon? And he was actually planning on doing a marathon this year in Valencia before COVID hit and everything got cancelled. So he's actually racing a, a road 10K in Norway on the 17th of October. And he's actually lining up against Jakob Ingebrigtsen from Norway, who we just spoke about earlier, who's run 7.27 for 3,000 metres and uh, 3.28 for 1,500. So he's coming up against some pretty stiff competition, but I'm more excited just to see what he can run. I know he's obviously in ridiculous shape. Um, and judging off what he's done previously, and I, I think we did speak about this the other month, 
yep. about the session he did where he did the vertical kilometre in under 30 minutes, jogged back down and then ran a flat 10K and ran sub 30 minutes again for the flat 10K straight afterwards. So for people, like I don't know if people realise how hard it is to run a vertical kilometre in under 30 minutes. It is absolutely insane. To then back that up with a sub 30 10K, he surely can go a lot quicker than that yeah. in a race. So I'm interested to know for what your time prediction here is, Tom, because I know roughly what I think he's going to run. What do you reckon he could roughly run for a flat 10K? So what did you say he did? He, he ran sub 30 for the one after the one kilometre vertical. What's yep. uh, what's Jakob's 10K PB? Do you have it? I don't know if I'd, I'd actually have to look because I know he, I don't even know if he's done a 10K because he's mainly done the shorter stuff. <laughs> let me have a look. You, you tell me what you it's, think it is. Well, and I'll let you, what do you think Killian's going to run? It's an interesting one because... When, when you're talking about running sub 30, you know, you might think you can knock off two minutes easily, but that's a long way. You know, that's, that's close to a, that's close to a kilometer. So I'm not going to say he's going to go, oh, would he, be, would he be quicker than try? But yeah, he's going to go in the 28s. I think, I think he'll go, I think he'll go 28, 30 or, or between 28 flat and 28, 30. I can't see. I, th- I think we pretty underestimate how how strong he is as a hill climber, uh, and how much that probably doesn't affect him in comparison to other people. And I would imagine his 10k that he did when he ran that after the k of vertical would probably be close to his best. So I'm going to give him. I'm going to say he's going to go. Yeah, mid 28s, mid yeah, 28, 28, 28. I like the symmetry. What do you think? Okay, I like that. Well, I was kind of thinking mid to high 28s, depending on how it how it goes. So I just had a look at Jakob Ingebrigtsen's personal best over 10K is 27.54. But based off how he's been running this year, I think he could definitely go much faster than that. Yep. Well, that um, work. I would predict 28.37. Yep. That's my okay. prediction. I think he'll be somewhere around that. Look, I'd love for him to run faster, but I just don't know if he has the leg speed to go close to 28. But I think yep. he'll break 29. He'll be just under 20. He'll be mid to high 28s, I reckon. And so, has there a run with as well? Have you got a date for this? Is there a uh, October seventeen? And, and that's in Norway, is it? The the events in, in Norway. Norway. It wow. is unreal because that's the, obviously the Inga Brixen boys are Norwegian, and that's where Killian yeah. lives, isn't it? So he lives there with with Emily uh, Fosberg, isn't it? His uh, yeah. his wife, she's uh, Norwegian as well. So that's a great one. So that's an interesting one. We got London Marathon coming up. This Sunday evening, isn't it? Sunday evening, it's the it uh, Bikili versus Kipchoge. First of all, I want to know, who do you think is going to win? I think Kipchoge will win. Yep, same but with I'm me. Not, I'm not 100% confident on that. I think it's going to come down to, if, if Bikili's there with a couple of K to go, it's going to be very, very interesting. Yep. But I think the way the confidence Kipchoge would have after his last year or two, breaking the world record and then running the sub two at Ineos, I, I can't see him losing. Um, again, I'll be more interested, depending how long the paces go with them as well, will be interesting. Mm. And the fact that it's on a looped course, they're going to be passing people a lot as well. And then that'll I don't know whether that'll throw them off or not. So I think it'll be interesting because I had a look and the weather prediction is for 12 degrees and about 70 to 80% humidity. So not too dissimilar to what he ran at Ineos. It's almost identical to what he ran at Ineos as far as conditions. So it's yeah. on a, And for people who don't know, it's on a 2.15-kilometre loop around St. James Park in central London. So it's a flat, fast course. There's no sharp bends on it. They'll be able to get – and this is the thing that I've actually heard a few people speaking about. So I listened to a couple of interviews with Sinead Diver and Brett Robinson, who are the Australians heading over. Um, 
the fact that they will they'll have the option to get nutrition or hydration every two kilometers if they want yeah. it um but they've said they're probably just going to go every 5k's which is what they're used to but it's kind of set up for fast running like conditions are good closed course not too many turns nutrition for the for the pace they're going for Kipchoge and Bikili every six minutes they could have nutrition if they wanted to little sips every now and again conditions look good um I'll be it depends what their training's been like as well but I'm predicting fast times I think I would rather a good race between those two yeah. than a world record I think they'll be going out at sub world record pace that'd be a bonus but I'd almost rather you know if they ran 203 but those two had you know were together with two or three k's to go that would almost be more exciting than one of them running away with it yeah i'm the same i don't i don't want to see a breakaway i don't want one of them running on their no. own um yeah i'm just looking up here st james's park i thought it was for those of you who know london st james's park is the park which is um where is it yeah it's outside buckingham palace so you know how they normally come in don't they for london they come towards buckingham palace they take that big right hand turn they go past the australian gate and then they run onto the mall from there St. James's Park is that park which they pretty much run around. So that loop, Kyle, must be right around there. So it's pretty much it's the, it's the finish of the London Marathon. So you've got, you know, the mall in London, which goes from Buckingham um, Palace all the way down to Trafalgar Square through the Victoria Gate. That is a very, very long straight road. So there's – and Birdcage Walk, which is the other side of the park, is a very straight road as well. So there's only a couple of turns on each lap. Obviously, yep. they're going to have to do it a few times, but – uh, not too many turns, which is great, and long straight road, so be good footage. Now, um, famously, I called the the sub two time, didn't I? Remember that? I predicted you did call the sub two, two time. the second. So, what are you going to go with? Let's see. What do you, What do you think? What's the time? The I think time? Kipchoge is going to run two o one twelve. Okay, I was going to go within in that minute as well. So, I, I don't think they're going to go sub two o one because uh, I think that's too brave and it's too fearless. I'm thinking. What is what's their actual their their world record? Two hundred one thirty nine. 30, yeah, thirty nine. I don't even think I don't even think they're going to break the world record. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm just going to say two hundred yeah two hundred one fifty five. I think I think it's going to be interesting. It's going to be. I think I think the the we said before this is not about a time. This is about a win. And obviously, I, I mean, I don't know. Bikili should be able to outkick him, shouldn't he? He should be able to. I mean. If, you, if you've watched their, their Berlin Marathon when they run, you know, they've put the two videos yeah. side by side, the way Bikili finishes that, extraordinary. But, again, that's what – and the interesting point there is Kipchoge, he wasn't trying to kick anyone. He was a minute ahead of the world record at the time. Yeah. And he kind of enjoyed himself down that last kilometre. He was obviously running fast. But Bikili was really motoring for the world record. I think Kipchoge could have knocked a couple more seconds off if he really was – if he had someone behind him on his heels with 2K to go, he would have gone a few seconds yeah. faster. So, yeah. I don't know. Absolutely. Interesting. Well, um, so yeah, so plenty upcoming around the world, but we've got a, um, a little interview now that we're just going to jump in here. We talked to Steve Jackson just before we started recording. Steve um, from Trail Trips and Events, he's taken over um, some of the biggest events in southeast Queensland, most notably Up the Buff, which is happening this weekend um, coming up, and Coastal High, which obviously normally happens earlier in the year. Um but has been moved back a couple of months to November the 28th. So Steve talks us through because there's been some quite significant changes. He talks us through the the changes to the up the buff, most importantly, because that normally, you know, runs along the border track. Uh, but obviously with the restrictions and things like that between the Queensland and New South Wales border, that's had to change. And a couple of changes also to Coastal High. So, um, yeah, we chatted to Steve for about 15 minutes, so he gives us a good insight. So for anyone who's thinking of running those two events, 
uh, of the Buffalo Coastal. He might be able to give you a few words of wisdom. So uh, have a listen to what Steve has to say. All right. Uh, so we've got Steve Jackson here from Trail Trips and Events. Thanks very much for joining us, uh, Steve, on this, uh, this episode of the podcast. Great to have you along. My pleasure. Looking forward to it. Um, so this year, Steve, has been a, a massive year. You've taken over a lot of events, some big events on the Gold Coast, um, and making them your own in your own special way. But it's been a huge year, hasn't it, obviously, for racing around the globe and particularly here on the coast, and a lot of challenges for you guys as race directors. And we've, we've spoken to a couple of race directors throughout the year. But I'd just like to know from you, first of all, what are some of the big challenges that you've faced as you've had to sort of change events and, and be a bit flexible with it? Yeah, well, I think... Uh, much like the athletes and, and all of us in society, you know, it's all um, been difficult because of the uncertainty. Um, there's been no definitive time frames. Things have changed. Things have changed quickly. Um, so we've had to be agile and adapt and sort of ride out the storm a little bit. I mean, we're very fortunate that in Queensland we actually have some light on the horizon and we've been able to get, we've seen some events pop up already and some events um, not far away, obviously, including some of ours. Uh, but certainly if you're in, you know, some of the other states, it hasn't been um, quite as easy to negotiate. Um, so we are fortunate in some ways, but it has been uh, a really difficult assignment trying to keep uh, everybody motivated, on board, informed and uh, communicate as best we can. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, uh, one of your signature events for this, for this year, Up the Buff, has had a, a very last minute. Have to, you've had to change the course at the last minute because of obviously the the border restrictions, something which most of us probably didn't even think about. and um, But, of course, you know, up the buff traditionally is run on the border track, so right on the border of New South Wales and Queensland. So the governments would have been taking no chances there. So, Steve, you've, you've made a few course changes, and I noticed you put it up in the week, um, a Strava link, which I had a bit of a look at. It still looks tough. It still looks hilly. So what can you tell us about the course, the 15K and the, and the 25? Yeah, I think we'd been floating along thinking we were going to be uh, running on the border trail because we weren't kind of cross over. But as it turns out, as soon as you pass the northern fence line, you're actually in New South Wales. So unless we all wanted a two-week holiday together, we had to uh, move the course. So we uh, have ventured out to Numbar Valley. We've uh, um, negotiated um, with the stakeholders, including National Parks Council and Raw Challenge, to uh, uh, hold the event out there. And we've been graciously assisted by uh, Meredith Tucker from Gonya Adventures, who traditionally holds her own um, waterfall trail out on a similar course to the one that we're using. We've got um, the 16K has dropped back to a 15K and the 25K does the same course, but with a second loop of the external section. Um, We start with a K and a half of pretty lumpy, bumpy, sort of very old school, traditional cross-country style course. Um, once we pop out of the Raw Challenge property, we're onto Chester's Road and we're turning right up Chester's Road. So we've actually got a, a gradual climb uh, early on in the race, uh, but nothing too steep, but just steady enough just to take the sting out of your legs early on. Um, and then we drop down to on the Great Walk to the Waterfall Trail. And then we have a, a gradual descent, I guess, to the bottom of the Waterfall Trail um, near Pine Creek Ridge Road. Um, and then we have our big climb. The climb's tough. It's, you know, it's got some serious elevation in a short period of time. It's probably the most technical part of the course, so it's sort of loose rock and rubbly sort of trail. But traditionally, most of the events that are held out in the valley there go down this trail, but we'll be climbing it. So I think the, the technical nature of it will actually be um, 
not as much of an issue as when you're descending. Uh, and when you get to the top, you have got a drop down red hill, which again is traditionally a hill that we run up. But uh, we go down this uh, hill this time and it's really good underfoot. So you can actually run down at speed, reasonably comfortably and, and uh, get a bit of pace up. And then you hit Chester's Road again and then you've got a, a sort of gradual ascent back to um, the checkpoint, which is 15, sort of oh, about 12 k's into the race. And the 25k runners will be out and doing that loop a second time. Uh, and when they return and for the 15k runners, they'll be turning right there and going back into raw challenge. And again, we've got a small section, probably about 3k to the finish, where we've got some roll, rolling sort of fire road, a couple of lumps and bumps, and then a long descent to the finish line. So I think it's, you know, like a really engaging course. We've got some really pretty sections with nice underfoot running. We've got some climbing, but it's broken up with a couple of plateaus in between. A good descent with nice surface underneath, and then a couple of steady climbs, which I think, you know, if it gets warm, will take um, a bit of the energy out of people uh, over the course of the race. So it'll be really interesting to see how it plays out and uh, how people manage their efforts throughout the course. And do you do you think that climb, the big climb that you're talking about on that loop, do you think it's tougher than Strawberry Hill, the the traditional climate in up the Buff? Because that is a brutal brutal climb, particularly that year when it was wet and muddy and slippery. Do you reckon the hills are tougher this year or not? Um, I'm, I'm going to say, like, overall, I think the times will be quicker. Um, but I, I think the hill will catch people off guard. It's it's definitely yep. – it's not as steep in any sections as Strawberry Hill, but it's it's less relenting. Like, it just climbs. There's a couple of little plateaus and you kind of get your wind back and you trot a little bit and then you hit with another little pinch. I think um, – I, I went out – when I ran the course for my Strava segment to uh, to, to map it for everybody, I thought I'll, I'll I'll just walk the first one and I'll run the second one. And then I got to the second lap and I was like, Nah, we're hiking <laughs> this one too. Like it just uh, it's it's and I think it's really about conserving energy. There's such a long section of runnable trail in this year's race. Um, I think the traditional buffer track, you know, that it just keeps coming at you. There's just another bump, another roller, Strawberry Hill, Strawberry Hill. Uh, again, you know, like it's just um, just little punches all the time, whereas this one there's going to be long stretches where you can really run freely. And I think if you if you blow yourself up on the hill, you'd be making a mistake um, for the rest of your race. Like I just think you're better off just, you know, putting the ego in the bank and hiking where you should and then running where you can. Yeah. What it's, uh, Kyle, what are your memories of Up the Buff? You said you've done it a couple of times. Yeah, I've done it a couple uh, of times, but years ago. and. Yeah. Not very fond memories because I always had a really tough time on that course. And I think everyone's going to like the fact, and I would like the fact as well, that we don't have to run up the road at the start. I think that's going to be nice yeah. for people. That was the one part that I always not necessarily look forward to or actually having to try and run back down it at the end was always tough. But again, like Steve said, there's always the constant undulations on the normal track. So it'd actually be nice to go into something a little bit more consistent in certain areas versus just having to go up and down the whole time. I think the hills will catch people out more than the other strawberry hill to be honest i think that's a really decent climb um which would be interesting to stand at the top of that hill and watch everyone come up just to see some reactions i think would be quite funny but i like the fact that we're back out in Numanbar because we haven't really raced out there for a couple of years other than obviously meredith's race that's been out there the last couple of years but there's a lot of people that wouldn't have raced out there before so i think it's going to open up a whole nother area of the gold coast hinterland to people which is exciting yeah. Absolutely. That's awesome, Steve. So, uh, I mean, up the buff, it is one of the Gold Coast's great trail races. Um, it it's, always gets a high calibre of competition. I'm sure it will again 
this weekend. But let's let's move on uh, to your other big race that you're you're in charge of this year, Coastal High, which which I mean it's it's what is it the date you said November twenty eighth no- did you say November twenty eighth yeah November twenty eighth so it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be yep. warm it's gonna be warm but you said there's a, there's um I mean that. To me, when I think about the Gold Coast trail racing, I think up at the Buff and I think Coastal. Like they're the two sort of classic events that people get along to, and they, you know, they love doing them. So um, the, the fact that you have managed to get both of these on this year is full credit to you and your team, Steve. And I know all the runners around the Gold Coast who are going to be in that will appreciate it. Well, I mean, they'll appreciate it at the start once they begin, but I don't know if they'll appreciate it 30 k's into a 50 k race in late November when it's going to be hot and sticky and humid. So, what's the? You said there's a, a couple of changes to this course. For, yeah, for I mean, yeah, I mean, we were very motivated to make sure the event happened in 2020, despite all the challenges. Um, obviously, with last year's disappointment surrounding the bushfires, um, it was really important for us to get it back on the map and get people back out there, especially those people that uh, had entered and trained for last year and weren't able to get out. Uh, the bushfires have left their mark uh, in some regards in that um, a small section of trail, the lower Bellbird Loop, um, will be out of action probably until after race day. Um, so in terms of planning, nas- National Parks have asked us not to use that loop, which in many ways actually helps, I think, the athletes, given that it's now going to be in late November. We're going to be running all the way back up to the trailhead um, just at um, Binnaburra Lodge and jumping on to Cave Circuit. So we'll be getting to that point about 22 k's. Um, so we'll be able to get people water there. We're actually getting um, some neck coolers, so the crystal activated, water activated yeah. neck coolers. So oh. I'm going to have those there uh, for people to pick up after the first 22. It's really difficult to get water out to any other point on the course before that. So um, I think it'll be really crucial that people carry what they need to get to that point still in really good shape. I think if you're already in a hole there you're going to really struggle for the next 28Ks. Um, but we're going to try and make sure if you guys can do a good job of getting to that point, we'll have the net coolers and obviously you can top up there. We're going to have a little top up again from Cave Circuit where you get onto the dip down into Numbered Bar and then we'll have another bit at the road before you get to Raw Challenge where is our main checkpoint and we'll just, uh, again, we'll try and top you up at the bottom of Chester's Road before you make your ascent on the apple tree park stairs so we're going to try and drop in a couple of smaller stations just to again keep those net coolers wet and cold uh and again if people just need that little bit of extra water and or ice um we're hopefully going to uh, negate some of the heat effects of that time of year Uh, but i think the cave circuit's really pretty and it does mean that we have more distance covered before we get to numanbar so much to the disappointment of hundreds of runners i'm sure we're going to drop out red hill and zombies so you won't actually run that the at the back end of the course when you get to chester's road in Numanbar valley you'll actually just go up and over the hill yeah. and onto the track um towards the stairs so um that's the upside is that yes it's going to be warmer but we'll take some of the tough vert out of the back end of the course and i'm sure i won't get any letters of complaint about that no, I mean, uh, UTA's got the further steps at the end of it, and apple tree stairs, I think, are just as synonymous with with trail racing. Kyle, I know that's one place in my uh, racing history, uh, the year that I was doing trying to do all the marathons, you know, one a month, and I was running with Scotty Page and um, took a couple of painkillers when maybe I shouldn't have and probably was a bit light on food and fluid at that stage and got to the top of apple tree stairs, and it's the only time in the in, I've ever been trail racing, and the medic has said, 
someone uh, I've been looking for you. They've been radioing through your number as you've been coming up the stairs. What? <laughs> so I, I had to sit at the top of Apple Tree stairs and, and have like a tray full of apples. Oh, sorry, oranges. You know, half a bottle of coke before the medic let me out. But what do you? You've uh, you've done coastal. A couple of times any, any good memories Three. of apple tree? Yeah, no, no, not one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. It's a good part of the course. I've always had. It's always hard. I can always. Every time I've come into that checkpoint at the top of apple tree, I've felt terrible every year. I don't think it gets any easier. But I've had a good couple of battles with a few people up there. I know Ando and I had a good battle two years ago when we raced. We kind of back and forward at the bottom section up those stairs. But I think it's so good that it's in there as well. Like yeah. to have those really tough sections, like it wouldn't be that race without those stairs in it. Everyone kind of, as much as we all talk about how terrible it is and how hard it is, we all look forward to getting it done and to doing it. Um, and it just adds another whole aspect to the race. Like it's a whole little race within the race, that whole section. So as much as it's hard, I think it's one of the best parts of the race. Who, um, who's who got the segment, do you know, on Strava? Has Daryl Taylor got it? Uh, uh, I or Kane, I think those two had gone back and forward. I'm not sure who actually has it now for that one little section. Well, that's a, that's a go back and have a bit of a look at it. But it is, it's so late on in the race, isn't it? It must be, when you are racing for the victory or the podium, it must be such a, a present in your mind that this is still coming. Um, and it's only a couple of minutes climb at the speed at which the front runners go at, but it's still a, a massive part of it. So, Steve, I know every runner will be delighted that it's, uh, that it's in there. And, um, and then also, Steve, you've got one more race for Flirt With Dirt. Uh, where's the third one? Where are you having this one? Yeah, so Flirt With Dirt. Um, again, that's another another of our events that's had some challenges, but we've managed to get uh, round two on recently. And then uh, round three, we've announced that it's going to be at Lake Coombabar Conservation, oh. conservation Area, um, awesome. which is obviously, you know, a beautiful place to run. Um, and we'll be running there on Sunday afternoon, October 25th. Um, we've yep. got all sorts of distances. We've been trying to stay true to our original product, which was providing all the distances for the school kids as well as um, some longer options for the adults. So we've got uh, at this round a 2K, a 4K, a 6K, an 8K, and a 12K. So there's sort of something there for everybody. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're really looking forward to showcasing Coomba uh, I know great. that it's got a lot of history with events there in the past. Uh, and a lot of people train there regularly and, and a lot of people are curious who haven't been out there yet. Uh, and being twilight, we, we think we're going to have a pretty good audience with lots of kangaroos right near the race start finish area. That's great. And have you got any races coming up yourself? Are you going to jump in something like the GC50, one of the events there? Yeah, I'm going to race uh, Blackhall 50. Um, okay. So, yeah, sort of uh, I'll probably be underdone, but, um, you know, we all say that, don't we? But um, I'm looking yeah. forward to running somewhere different. You know, as an event organiser, it's been important for me to support other event organisers, um, you know, and I'm not going to lie, we all kind of take the good and the bad from different things and, and, and we go and sort of, I wouldn't say we're spying, but we're learning from each other. So we can go and go, oh, I really like how yeah. they did that. Or um, So it's important for me to be out there about, and I mean, I love to run as well, obviously. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to my first Black Hole event in a few weeks' time. Yeah, well, I mean... I, th I think I said to Travis Island the other day, we're so sport for choice here in Southeast Queensland. We almost don't even have to go anywhere to get great races and great events. And uh, I know you'll do a great job, Steve, with the uh, with Up the Buff and, and Coastal High. And I think every runner really appreciates the work that you uh, and the race directors around Southeast Queensland that you've put in. It, it can't have been an easy year. It must have been horrendous, um, you know, from an organisational point of view and a financial point of view, just to put these events on. So, 
Um, hopefully they're selling out. Have we got some tickets left for um, Coastal Highs? There's still some available for that? Yeah, yeah. Coastal Highs, it's a little bit soft on previous years. I think obviously the uncertainty um, when we first launched about whether we're going to be able to go ahead uh, has driven that. We've obviously postponed it um, around a really busy time. We've got events like Guzzler on not far beforehand and not, and, and Blackhall as well. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, like it's tough to back up if you're doing some of those ultra distance races. And the, the GC50 is just the week after, and a lot of people I know have committed to that as well. So yeah. um, we, we expect that we probably won't sell out. Um, I'm happy to be proven wrong, of course, but I think that will probably be a bit under, which means we can probably take better care of all the athletes that we're going to have, yeah. which is really exciting. Uh, and as a first year director on that race, um, you know, I'll be just happy to get it up and going and to keep the dream alive in terms of that event following the bushfires last year. So definitely happy to take some more entries for Coastal. And up the buff, we've got a few spots left, but it's not not far away from selling out. We do have a cap on that event um, as part yeah. of our COVID safe practices. So uh, anyone that's listening, I wouldn't leave it till uh, Saturday before registering. I would get in nice and quick. And uh, just one final question. Are you looking at 2021 for these two events to revert to their normal sort of timing throughout the year that they've been previously yeah that is that is the plan um the southeast queensland trail series has shifted later um so we're just uh, going to be trying to dance around that with up the buff because that normally follows that series yep. so it'll be around the same time but we just want to make sure that we're not stepping on any throat any toes and supporting uh that series because that's been such a great feeder for all trail events and yeah. then, uh, yeah, Coastal High will return to early September. So it's really just to get through this year. And um, and as it turned out, it was actually the park not being open rather than COVID that pushed that event back. So um, yep. we obviously um, parks would prefer us to be in September as would uh, the runners, as would I. So, yeah, we'll be looking to push all those back. And the Flirt with Dirt series will come forward in the year and, and try and help all the kids with their cross creek cross country programs and yep. obviously help all the road runners to sharpen up off-road before they hit their season proper yeah awesome mate well uh all the best for this weekend as you take on board uh yeah up the buff and for coastal coming up and we appreciate you uh giving us your time to have a bit of a chat and give the runners a bit of an insight into the the excruciating pain which is going to be coming their way on uh in the next couple of months for the courses you've designed so i appreciate it mate no thanks guys and uh thanks uh for putting on a great program and look forward to hearing it yeah, cheers, buddy. Thanks, mate. So, uh, so there you have it, Steve Jackson, um, giving us a bit of an insight into what race directors have had to go through this year, uh, and they've done an extraordinary job, haven't they, Kyle, to put these events on? They have. It's been a, like it's been a massive year, and I know, obviously, personally, chatting with Steve a lot through this year, like the amount of work that's gone into getting these races to happen. So, I think it's you know important for everyone to get out there and support these race directors because again, they're just small businesses at the end of the day. Um, just reward them for the good work they're putting in. These races would not be happening without a couple of particular individuals putting in a lot of time and effort to get these to happen. So, yeah. you know, a lot of people don't realise how much work goes on behind the scenes to make these things happen, and especially at the moment with the current situation and you know regulations, they've got to jump through a lot of hoops. So, no, they've done an amazing job this year. Yep, absolutely. Um, so, Kyle, what are the other upcoming races that are happening? Uh, because there is a bit of a glut now. There's a glut of races. Um, talk us through them. What have we got? We've got some big, big races coming up. So obviously, as we've just mentioned and chatted about, Up the Buff is going to be happening this Sunday. So we've got 15 and 25K there. And then the other big ultra happening this weekend is we've got the Brisbane Trail Ultra happening this weekend. So 
there's obviously some big races there and some big names that are going to be racing. Um, and I just want to, I suppose, I'm just going to touch on the 60, 110 and the 100 miler, just a bit about the course and a bit about who's racing. So, of course, we've got a few very interesting matches, match-ups in all of these races, which is quite exciting. So, in the 60 kilometre, so this is 60 k's, it's got 2,750 metres of vertical gain in it. So, it is a hilly, hilly course. Um and a good friend Anderson is going to be racing the 60k, uh-huh. and he informed me informed me this morning that he really hopes that all his nice flat beach runs that he's been doing over the last year are going to hold him in good stead for his his big hilly run on the weekend. Um, but word on the street is that Ben Duffus might be running the 60k, and I don't know if that's confirmed, but that's just the talk that potentially Ben's going to be going to be running. So. Ando's going to have his work cut out racing Ben over 60Ks in some big hills on Ben's home ground. Wow. So that's, I, they are not confirmed, but word on the street is Ben is going to race, but yeah, not too sure. Um, so that should be very interesting to watch those two go at it in the 60K. Um, and then the 110K. Now, the 110K was is going to be the Australian Ultra Runner Association Trail Long Course Championships. Now, obviously, it's a bit different at the moment given that we can't really have any interstate runners coming there may be a couple here i'm not too sure um but there's actually a thousand dollar cash prize for the first female and first male in this race so it's a little added incentive for the runners to to win the 110 um and i think favorite on the female side is going to be Haley teal who's racing the 110 i think she's going to be the odds on favorite for this um i think she'll be very very hard to beat so the 110 has got 5528 meters as well which is a very hilly 110 kilometers so but Haley does that she, she does that regularly in training like all, right. all the time doesn't she so, um, so i think she will it'll be hers to lose almost i think she should be odds on favorite in the females which would be good to see her race and then in the 110 on the male side we've actually got a good friend of ours tom brimlow who's going up to race his first individual 100 kilometer 100 kilometer plus event on the weekend um and from what i've heard i believe andy day is actually racing the 110 as well is that right? I think. I think. Now, I don't confirm that. I could be just talking absolute <laughs> garbage here about all these Brisbane runners racing these races. I hope he's running. So I did hear that of someone that potentially he was running. So I don't know if Andy listens, but he could be sitting there going, no way in hell that I'm running that on the weekend. <laughs> so don't know. That would be great if he did because he has been training. He had a 200-kilometer week about three weeks ago, and it looks like he's been tapering. So yep. it's all looking like he's racing on this weekend. So I hope he is because I think – He's someone that will go with Tom, and I think those two could have actually a really good battle over the 110. So that's a race I'll be watching very keenly across the weekend. But then I think for me, the the main event for this weekend, which we've wanted this to happen for over a year now in the 100-mile race. So to set it up, this is 160 kilometres, just over 8,000 metres of vertical gain. The matchup that we've been waiting for for a year, we've got Kieran O'Brien against Ryan Crawford. We've been waiting for these two to race for a long time and I remember when I spoke to Kieran when we went for a run I said what would you like to race Ryan over and he said I'd love to race him over the 100 mile at the Brisbane Trail Ultra and he's got his wish so that will be a very interesting race to watch Kieran's obviously a little bit fresher than Ryan Ryan's coming off the back of a lot of 100 mile racing this year and Glasshouse 100 mile just two weeks ago so I don't know how Ryan's doing he has been back running again the last few weeks and you know he's from what I've seen on his driver, he said that he's ready and he's looking like he's ready to go. So, And I think he wouldn't be doing it if he wasn't ready. So I'll be interested to see as well whether those two run together or whether Kieran potentially takes it out hard or Ryan does. Yeah. I don't know. So that is probably the thing that I'm most excited for this weekend. Yeah, that's unreal, isn't it? I'm, I'm, I'm happy as well that uh, we're able to identify that Hayley Teal is 
possibly the standout female there because you know we we do on this podcast we, we we talk about the male and the female events you know equally uh but there are certain male names who seem to be cropping up um and sort of dominating the scene and less so in the females you know there's there's very lots of different names that are coming up. But Kath Judge is coming up a, a fair bit. So is um, Shelley Coleman. But Haley Teal's coming up a lot now as someone who is starting to dominate uh, the trail running scene around here as well, which is great. So uh, that's awesome. That's I reckon awesome. with her, I would not be surprised if she podiums overall as well, just yeah. putting it out there. She is that strong. I reckon she could potentially be top three overall. So I'm putting yeah. that out there. That's my prediction. We'll see whether that comes true, whether she can she can podium. Because um, be yeah, that's great. I'm I'm actually trying to. I've I've got to have a look at the course tonight because I know they've changed the finish line and things like that. I'd love to get up there um, late Saturday and just see the finish, um, see them actually come across the line. That'd be wonderful. That'd be awesome. Um, but yeah, some other big events coming up. Of course, Blackall, which is I guess Queensland's you know answer to UTA because uh, it really is a, quite an event up there and quite a scene. So that's coming up uh, on the seventeenth. Uh, Jetty to Jetty is this weekend, I think. I've got that down as this weekend. I'm not too sure on that date, but Jetty to Jetty is up at Moreton Bay, which is one of Queensland's oldest race um, up sort of Redcliffe Way. Uh, you literally run from Jetty to Jetty um, up there. It's been around for, you know, ever since I was, you know, a young fella as well, so 30 or 40 years. Uh, and Halloween's coming up as well on October 31. Uh, so plenty happening. And then, of course, we've got the races through November. But, um, but Kyle, we, as you said, it, it's changing of season and things are getting hotter and I'd, I'd be interested to know from your point of view uh as a physio and as a coach what sort of tips do you have for people uh, as this season changes in terms of their hydration i know we did a we did a 25k long run last weekend about eight days ago and it was the very first time that at the end of the run we've had to wring out the singlets and the sweat pours out of you so i noticed and i naturally noticed you know two days later how much fatigue i had from that 25k run so what do we got to look at it's a couple of tips for us well, I think the biggest thing at the moment for me especially is more especially on the Gold Coast and Southeast Queensland is we've got really high humidity compared to the rest of Australia. So you kind of – that's probably the number I look at more than what the temperature is because interestingly, I did my run on uh, – was it Tuesday? On Thursday. So you went out there at about – you would have run around the lake at about 5.30. I ran at about 8.30 and humidity had dropped from about 85% when you ran to about 55% when I ran mm-hmm. and didn't sweat too much at all but it was a lot warmer. So I think on the Gold Coast – most people get out and train early. From everything I see on Strava, generally most runners on the Gold Coast wear up and out at 5, 5.30. Everyone's running quite early in the morning. It's much more humid early in the morning than it is in the mid-morning, even though it's cooler. And most people just think, oh, it's still dark. It's early. I don't need to carry water or anything. But you're probably going to lose more sweat early in the morning at the moment than you will mid-morning. It'll be similar at, at most. Um, but the other big thing is that there's no one-size-fits-all with hydration. You know, there's a lot of information online about, you know, you need to drink 500 mils per hour or whatever it is. But I think the best piece of advice is get your – do a sweat, proper sweat test. Get it tested properly because it, once you know those numbers, it's so much easier to tailor your hydration to you. And a lot of people just do a lot of guesswork. And I think there's also a lot of people that also go, oh, I'm only going for an hour. I'm, you know, I'll be right. I'll do 90 minutes. I don't need any water. Like, I'll be fine. And generally, they get through that. But exactly like you said, it's the day and then the day after that where that just starts to compound, compound on top of each other. And eventually, that catches up with you. And yeah. all kinds of bad things can happen at that point. You're risking injury, fatigue, all these different things. So my one piece of advice would be, even if you're going out for a nice, easy run at the moment, especially on those humid mornings, carry a bit of water with you or stop at a bubbler and grab a drink. It's five seconds here and there. But you will notice the difference week to week. You may not notice the difference on that run. It might feel the exact same. But 
those effects will compound across that week or across that fortnight to month. So the biggest thing would be make sure you're drinking, obviously. Get your electrolytes and your calories in there at the same time if you're doing the longer stuff. But probably go get a proper sweat test done because yeah. if you get those done, you know the numbers then, you can actually tailor your hydration and you know electrolyte balance well to yourself and know those numbers versus just guessing. If you haven't had those done, a lot of it just ends up being guesswork. But if you can get yeah. it right, it makes a massive difference. So this is probably the time to get that done because as we're all starting to notice, you know, it has cooled down a little bit this week, but from this weekend onwards, the humidity is back and it's going to be warm. So that would be my piece of advice is don't just make it up as you go. Make sure you at least yeah. at work you are actually drinking. But if you got the opportunity, you know, get a proper sweat test done and get those numbers right for you. Yeah. Absolutely, because it is it is a big factor over the summer, isn't it? You know, we've talked oh, about exactly. it for, for GC50 last year was a bit cooler, so it was a bit easier to run if if it's hot, you know. Uh, it's a completely different race, isn't it? So um, so there we have it. That's that's a big week, uh, a big couple of weeks, I should say. Um, I hope you enjoyed the episode. So a bit for everyone, a bit of track running, a bit of ultra running, a bit of running around in circles, a little bit of goat news, a little bit of goat drama, which turned out to be not drama at all. <laughs> Um, and as we said, Stephen Wright, he's, while we've been while we've been talking, and probably while you guys are listening to this, maybe on Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday, he's still running, round and round and round. Still going. So um, get out there and yeah, if you can do a couple of laps with him, it'd be uh, I'm sure you would appreciate it. A little bit of company, and uh, yeah, best of luck, Kyle. Anything just before we go? Anything uh, anything big in the next week or two? Any you got a good session coming up that you want to tell us about? Uh, well, so. <laughs> A little funny story in that. So everyone was kind of asking me this morning, how did you pull up from the race? How did you pull up from the race? I put up great from the race, but I actually played golf yesterday afternoon and caught the golf ball to the shin at about 100 miles an hour and have a lovely lump at the bottom of my leg. That is very sore <laughs> at the moment, not my muscles from the run. So at the moment, it's a bit touch and go as to whether I'll be doing any sessions this week. I was yeah. actually contemplating on jumping in the 15K on Sunday at the Upton Buff, depending on how I pulled up. So I'm going to give myself a couple of days if everything feels good and pulls up well, I may jump in and have a run on, on Sunday, but that's still yeah. up in the air depending on how my golf injury pulls up over the next few days. <laughs> Fair enough. It's funny you should what mention you? that because, well, it's funny you say that because, you know, as I said at the start, I'm a football lover and I contemplated next year potentially playing, you know, those retirement leagues for those over 40s, over 50s. Yes. And the only reason I don't want to play is because I know that I'll get injuries that's going to affect my running. So for you, it's golf. For me, it's soccer. Um, yep. no, not much, not much really. I'm, uh, just trying to get in a couple of good weeks of, um, good weeks of training. Um, got to get training for the relay so you can get within 10 minutes. So for people yep. who don't know, we're making this very official, but yep. the game between yourself and I is we're going to try and get, so you want to be within 10 minutes of me and I want to try and beat you by 10 minutes. That's the goal. Yes, that's the goal. So it's going to be that's interesting. That's our motivation for training for the next two and a half the, months. That's the game. So yeah, there'll be, there'll be a 5k time trial in the next Probably two or yes, three weeks, I think. Um, yep. I'll do the 10K at, at Travis, Trav Island's run GC when that happens. Uh, but apart from that, yeah, just I've, I've, I'm using the Strava training program at the moment. So I've put in a, the only option was to put in 21K for a training plan. So that's good. So it's it's got two or three workouts a week, um, some tempo runs in there, some speed sessions in there. They like to give you sort of one mile repeats, which are always tough to do. Um, so yeah, I think this week I've got. This is the one I was telling you about with Stephen Wright. I was, I was supposed to have three times three, three three times 3K. Yeah, three times 3K with uh, a three-minute jog in between. So I'd, I'd like to do it, but I'm about to go somewhere else. But I, love, but I love the Oxenford Lake. It's a perfect place to do a little bit of speed work if you can't get to a track. So, yeah, 
But yeah, everyone else, uh, all the best if you if you're racing up the buff. Uh, you may see us out there. Kyle might be out there racing. Um, as I said, I hope to get up to the Brisbane Trail Ultra and check that out. And um, yeah, we'll be back with lots of lots of chat, uh, lots of banter like this one. It's a bit of a longer episode, but we we got through a fair bit of stuff. Talked a bit of rubbish as well, which is always good. Sort of running's all about. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll catch us in a couple of weeks' time. See you then.